0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Beauty Call Podcast. I'm Janice McQueen, your host. I hope that everyone is doing well and staying safe and at home. And I hope that you're enjoying all of the episodes that I'm bringing you on faith, love, beauty, health, fitness, and that you are taking this time to take care of you and those that you love. It's important for us to stay hopeful, to stay faith-based, and to believe that it's all going to get better because it is. So take time to take care of yourself. It's time to double down on that health and wellness. Get some rest. Make sure that you're exercising, but make sure you're practicing social distancing. I love you all. Enjoy this episode. When you need advice on beauty, we're going to call Beauty Call with Janice McQueen. Janice is easy and loves to have casual yet informative conversations on sex, beauty, love, fashion, work-life balance, diet, fitness, nutrition, relationship, and life's ups and downs. Join the Beauty Call podcast and learn inside secrets to true beauty. Hi everyone and welcome to Beauty Call podcast. I'm Janice McQueen, your host, and today I have Tracy Lynn Rogers, who is going to speak on her platform of Your Tomorrow Starts Today. Tracy was Ms. America International in 2017. She's the owner of Legal Nurse Consulting Business, and she was involved in a devastating car accident back in 2011. And she's going to talk about that and how it transformed her life. And through that journey, she has learned that adverse events and circumstances do not define you. Welcome to the show, Tracy. How are you? Hi, Janice. I'm great. Really excited to
1: be on today. Thank you for having me as a guest.
0: Well, I'm just so excited to have you on here. You're just you're just a beacon of light. You've always been so positive. And of course, we've met in person and had a chance to work together on a pageant. You were a judge and I was a queen and and I've known you throughout our pageant years. And I've always just looked up to you. And when this accident happened, I did follow you on social media but I don't think everybody really, I don't think everybody knows what you've gone through. So would you share with the Beauty Call podcast family, what you, what you've gone through and that accident in 2011?
1: Well, you bet. And I appreciate you asking. We kind of were talking a little bit earlier that it really kind of put into place the, it, it really changed the direction of my life. I will say in, in not just it in a positive way, 99% of it in a positive way, but Back in 2011, I was recently divorced. I've been divorced about a year, and the director of the Miss United States system had approached me and asked me if I wanted to compete for Miss Nevada, United States at that time. And so I was kind of iffy about it because I was 40 years old and you were competing against girls who were 26, was like 26 and over at that time. But I thought it would be really good for me on a personal note, just to kind of get myself back out there and figure out who I was again. I think you're a different person when you go through some of these life experiences. And certainly that was one of mine. And so I, in any event, it was three days out from checking into nationals the nationals that year. were going to, what's going to be in Las Vegas. And so I was actually, I lived in a rural town in Nevada and I was, I had about an hour drive to go where I was going to go have my spray tan, manicure, pedicure, hair done, getting ready to check in for nationals. And while I was on my way to that, that, you know, day, that beauty treatment day to get everything ready before I headed into Las Vegas, I was involved in a devastating car accident where a tour bus made an illegal U-turn on the freeway right in front of me. And so they crossed my line of traffic. I was in the fast lane. I don't know if if people have been in Nevada. It's like wide open roads when you're out there. A lot of rural The speed limit 75. So I was doing freeway speed when I hit the back end of this bus that literally turned in front of me trying to make an illegal U-turn in the dirt median that says no U turn. So they were they were lost and headed the wrong way. But in any event, that moment like changed my life in just significantly. I like I said, I was a single mom. I had I was the owner of an outpatient wound center. I was the owner of a legal nurse consulting business where I did expert witness work and worked with attorneys on plaintiff and defense cases, nursing home medical malpractice cases. So it was interesting it was different to really be a part of to be the plaintiff in a case if you will right it was really I learned a lot through that I when the accident happened it uh, and I know when people say these things it sounds kind of like melodramatic but it, it really did it nearly killed me I broke my neck in nine places my lower back and four shattered my pelvis I had my right femur was a compound fracture me it was coming through coming through the skin through my leg my left leg, the dashboard almost cut it off. So those, the tibial plateau—they call it a tibial plateau fracture—but the tib fib on my left lower leg had shattered up through my left kneecap. Both my right and left arm were broken. by I had a traumatic brain injury, a fracture on the left side of my skull. Anyway, so they life me to University Medical Center in Las Vegas, and that was where the start of all these numerous surgeries began for me and it did it put my life on hold like everything that I had been working for whether it was an entrepreneur or a small business owner a mother you know taking care of my kids my my I have two boys and they were going into their freshman year and their senior years of high school which to me are just banner years you know those are huge years and I'm such a hands-on mom so I felt like everything in my life was taken away from me you know I uh, was completely bedridden For the first, I didn't even stand for the first time until 11 weeks and one day was the first time that I could stand. As a nurse, I didn't even know you could be non-weight bearing on your arms. I knew you could be non-weight bearing on your legs. Like they don't want you to stand on your legs. They're waiting for a lot of those fractures to heal and the hardware to be able to, you know, for you to get some bone structure around the hardware. But I was literally they would lift me out of the hospital bed in a sheet and put me in a recliner and then lift me back from the recliner back into the hospital bed and that was, you know, my life. I was in and out of surgeries. I think I had had in the first 11 weeks, I want to say it was 18 or 22 different surgery sites. But then over the next three years, you know, I had 22 major broken bones. When you think about that, and I'm not talking fingers, toes, or ribs. Mm-hmm. So 22 fractures. You know, So oh, it was okay. a lot of work. Uh, but I will say this, my I had great family support, really great family and friend support. I the pageant community reached out to me like no no other. My brother, my younger brother or my sister oftentimes stayed with me at the hospital because I literally was cast to my fingertips. I couldn't even push the nurse call light button. Like I had no no capacity to even push that button. And so sometimes they would put kind of a little monitor around my right great toe that I could like move that toe to call the nurse. That's the only extent of what I could use. But my brother had said to me, it's like your my phone was crushed in the accident it was in my center console, kind of like in the drink holder and the whole inside of the car was just smashed. And they so when they finally got my phone, it was just blowing up with people reaching out with love and concern. But it was really amazing to me, the pageant community that really women who I didn't even know but maybe knew me for social media or knew my story were what can we do? How can we help? You know, our love and prayers are sent for you. And and honestly, that's really what got me through that were my friends and family. Lots of prayers, you know, it was a lot of work. My orthopedic surgeon told me after they sent me home, they would do they did like 11 surgeries and sent me home for five days to kind of just be able to rest and let my body just breathe to get me out of the hospital setting. So it wasn't, you know, I'm not in an infection zone and that kind of thing. And then I'd come back in for a few more surgeries and go back home and come back. And it was literally like, they rebuilt my body. And I think one of the biggest parts of all of that was staying mentally strong through that and being able to tell yourself that, that, you know, you could get through this hard situation A lot of that came from me getting phone calls, texts, cards, letters in the mail every day that were like, we love you, we're here for you, that constant affirmation of that there are people behind you and and want to see you regain your life back. And having come outside of that, it was three years later when I was finally had really plateaued on, oh my gosh, yeah, I don't have to have any more major surgeries. Maybe some minor stuff, maybe some pins out or something, but none of the really extensive stuff that required extensive, like rehabilitation after. And it was the after that was the hardest. I thought, you know, if you survived the surgeries and I ended up with bilateral, like collapsed lungs and had chest tubes in and things like that, had a lot of issues. But my orthopedist, like I was going to say, he said, now's where the real work starts when you go home. It's what you do with physical therapy, it's how hard you push yourself it's how bad you want your life back. And it was a fight, you know, it wasn't an easy road. And I'm not one of those people, like always on social media, I will always be positive. But I will be honest with you, there were there were days that I would wake up and think, I I can't do today. Like I can't do it. I can't I can't have physical therapy come in and be bending and poking and prodding and wanting you to, you know, to increase that range of motion. And yet, Really, I just learned to have to break things down and just take it a day at a time. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned from this was that I'm I'm a nurse and I'm always the caretaker. Like even in my family position, I'm usually the one that's like, I got this, I'll take care of you. And, you know, and so to be put in a position to have to be dependent on other people was really hard for me to learn that it was okay to let other people in my life have that place in my life it was good for them to have an opportunity to like love and serve me and help me and it was okay for me to say okay you're not wonder woman all the time (laughs) you get to let your body heal and do what you need to do to get your life back and you know both my boys race dirt bikes. we're very active family like beach volleyball we love to travel love scuba dive, snorkeling, all those kinds of things. And so my life was literally put on hold for about five years. And what I had to learn was that I could still do those things. I was no longer, it, it just became that it was a version of those things. And what I really worked hard for was to be able to regain some normalcy in my life, some resemblance of what my life was like before but I also learned that my body didn't like doing things anymore that it used to do before. Like I used to love to decorate my home or paint and just, you know, have a project, like redo a whole room. And there was one room, my son had wanted his room redone. It was like his senior year. And I'm like, yeah, this just sounds great. Well, I started taping off the whole room and what would have taken a professional painter, probably three days to do it. it took me 30 days to do it. And my body hated it, hated climbing up above the ladder, climbing up downstairs. It just did not like that, and so I had to find out who this new version of me was. You know what what were things that worked for me still, and what were things that didn't, and find some peace with some of that. That you know, my life is. I used to be a big runner, and obviously I had so much damage to my left side. I I don't have the capability to be able to run, but I can certainly. There are other things that I can do to find you know some peace and some enjoyment in my life in that fitness sense still. But yeah, it was certainly a process. And so through that whole accident, it was five years later, one of my very best friends that I met my first pageant I ever went to, she and I became great friends. And she had reached out to me one day and she said, I think you need to go back and recompete. Well, and let's you break need it. to take let's your story.
0: Before we get to yep. that, let's break it back. Yep. Let's, let's talk about your recovery first. What was the first thing that you remember when you woke up? Oh, well, you. I actually was in the in the
1: car when I, I was awake in the car. I'm sure I was out for a little bit because when I came to, there was like the white powder, the airbag had gone off. I mean, the steering wheel was right up against my chest. It's a wonder it didn't break my teeth or give me two black eyes. You know, it was the whole front end of the engine compartment was like in the car, literally. If there had been a passenger with me, that person would not have made it. But So I, got- I woke was- up uh, or came to I guess I was more aware and I kind of looked down and I had white pants on and I could see a big blood spot on my big like my entire thigh on the right leg was just covered in blood and sticking out was about a two inch shiny white and and you know I'm a nurse I've worked ER I've worked trauma, I, I think I was just well obviously you know I had a traumatic brain injury I just wasn't quite all there but I remember tapping it lightly with my right hand, like tapping the end of this bone. And it was so surreal. I was, and it dawned on me. I'm like, that's my, that's my bone. That's my leg bone sticking out. And my left wrist was literally snapped off, hanging backwards. And I think, I don't remember like feeling actual pain. I'm sure it was that adrenaline and those endorphins kick in. But with my right arm, I was holding my left arm kind of across my chest and Then I could hear somebody's voice saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And I barely turned my head to the left to look out the window because they had to break the window. The door was like completely smashed. But I remember kind of looking that way and feeling this hot zing go up the back of my neck. And I kind of stopped and I just said, yeah, I, I think you better call an ambulance. I think I broke my arm and my leg. And that gentleman, there is an interesting story behind that. His daughter, who actually graduated this year. I, I feel like it was really, I'm a big believer that I'm here for a reason, that God had a hand in all of this. Um, a week before my accident, I was notified of a young girl who had a terminal, like brain cancer, brain tumor. She had actually, her and her family had just gotten back from the Make-A-Wish Foundation to Disneyland. She was not quite eight. She was almost eight. And one of my girlfriends had told me about this young girl who just moved into our community. And I happened to be like cleaning off stuff in my curio and I had this crown from a previous pageant and I thought, here I am dusting this off like this doesn't, it's just sitting here and there's somebody else that could have this that might enjoy this. And so I went and got a big bag of just princess stuff and a cute paint beret and took this big crown over and took like shoots and ladders and some fun things. And I went and knocked on these people's door, who I didn't know them. They didn't know me. And I just said, I, I understand that you, you've got a daughter, and she's ill, and I would just love to give her some princess stuff. And so she and I, she and this little eight-year-old girl, we sat and talked for about an hour, hour and a half, played games, and visited, and come to find out it was her dad who was the first responder who was right behind me, who wow. was the one who broke my window and found me first. And he knew who I was, like when he got home from work, his wife had told him, yes, this Tracy Rogers came over and saw our daughter, Jana, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he, he said when he broke the window and it was me sitting in there, he just said, you just looked at me with this big blue eyes and were like, I think I broke my arm and my leg. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I said. He said, it was so surreal. You're just there, no tears, no crying. Like, I think I was in shock and I'm, you know, I love my job. I I work a lot. I, and the first thing I said is you need to call my work and tell them I won't be there. Of course I wasn't going (laughs) to work, but you you know, I was kind of confused. Please tell work I'm going to be late. I'm going to be a minute. (laughs)
0: Just a minute, Um, just a little bit late.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to be a few. but that journey with her, like, I'm like, wow, you know, by the grace of God. And he had actually done, if I understood right, like inspection of buses. So he knew where the fire extinguisher was on the bus that that I'd had the accident with, and he, my engine compartment was on fire, and so he had gone on there and had actually put the fire out. Like, And so this little girl came and saw me. Once I came home, her parents had brought her to see me, and she had written the cutest card for me and had done posters for me, and she said, isn't this interesting? You came and saw me, and now I'm seeing you. And I just saw on Facebook today that that little sweetheart, she's still here, and she graduated high school, so she was one of those sweet little seniors that doesn't get to have the big graduation, but yeah, really a lot of amazing story.
0: Graduation, you know, just (laughs) I think if anything, this is all teaching us that, you know, what's really important is the things that let's learn and just being together and being healthy and being, you know, being able to to live our lives and love each other. So Right. Bring it it back to the real the real basic reason of why we're here on this earth, which is You know, which is, you know, do you feel like, I mean, obviously, the time that you were in the hospital, you had surgeries off and on for three years, it took really five years for you to heal. But how long were you in the hospital once they took you to the hospital?
1: So interestingly enough, I, this sounds really funny, because I had people saying, well, your accident must not have been as bad as I thought. My sister is a home care nurse, and her husband's a physical therapist, and they live in Mesquite. So that was like a half hour northeast of where I lived. So when this accident happened, and mind you, I've been a nurse since I was 19 years old, one of the biggest risks that people have going into a hospital or even to a rehab center is infection. Like a lot of them that have numerous surgeries or openings, they'll end up with MRSA or C. diff. Those are two huge, huge prevalent things. So when I went in, they could only do so much surgery at a point in time. And I have allergies to a number of pain medications. So I don't I had never taken much pain medication. They had to be, it was, they were using like old school Demerol on me because I couldn't have morphine or codeine or some of those things. So one of the things that they thought was going to be the issue was that there'd be real issues with pain management. But because I didn't have a history of using it, you know, it didn't, it, it's not like there wasn't pain. Certainly like when I say everything was broken, it was broken. But mm. any, in any event, they thought they'd keep me there longer and then send me to rehab. Well, my sister and the director of my uh, wounds clinic is good friends with, with all, you know, my sister and I, we'd worked with him for years and years. And he said, we send her to rehab. She's going to get MRSA or c Like she will get something there. So we worked with my insurance extensively to set up a rehab room in my sister's home. But we had to have the medical director sign off. Like I'll be honest with you, the hospital wasn't happy at first about letting me to go to a home care setting because they didn't think I'd get the rehab like I needed, mm-hmm. but with the case manager through the insurance and my sister and and like Dr. Empey and the whole home care team, I actually ended up with more rehab at home because I would have anywhere between four and six hours of physical therapy every day. It would be broken up into two different sections, but my sister actually had a pool. So at one point when I was able to actually stand, like have some weight bearing on my legs and I didn't have pins or casts or anything on then I could start into pool therapy and I think for me like mentally being able to be at a place where my boys could come up on the weekend and see me and stay you know at my sister's home and there was just I mean anybody that knows me knows I I really am I I'm like an extrovert I'm that person that this social distancing has been really hard on because I am you know I like to be out doing things, so this created an environment where I could still have friends, family, people come see me, and there weren't restrictions as far as that, like in a rehab center. But I actually received probably more intensive therapy being at home, Mm -hmm. so I was only in the hospital for nine days that first time, and then they sent me home for four days, and then I was in the hospital for four days, and then I was home for like three days, and then I was in the hospital for... Three or four days, you know, and it was like that off and on, off and on, off and on right. for 12 weeks. And then I finally went home to my own home after 12 weeks, but I had to go home with what they referred to as a personal carry during the day because I still, like my kids would be in school, that mm-hmm. there were still things like safety wise, I brought, you know, things that I, I, I couldn't even reach my feet yet to put my shoes on. So like one of my girlfriends, if I needed shoes on, her and her daughter would come over every morning, like at 7.30 in the morning, help me put my shoes on because I couldn't bend over. I still didn't have the range of motion in my hips <laughs> to bend over. And I remember the first day I finally got my shoes tied and I called her and said, oh my gosh, I got my own shoes tied. And her daughter's like, we don't have to go tie Tracy's shoes today, you know. But it was a lot. It was a lot. And it was those little things. I mean, rehab for that kind of an accident, it's really extensive. And it's one of those things that, I didn't know, like when in the hospital, they had all of my trauma docs. They had different, multiple different orthopedic surgeons, you know, somebody for your knee and your hip and your spine and your wrist, you know, all these specialists and then pain management and the intensive care doctor and the trauma doctor. And they all had this big meeting with my family. And they said to them, you know, if she walks again, it will be, you know, six months to a year she's going to be in a wheelchair so you guys just need a plan for the long haul so my family nobody shared this with me my orthopedist that had talked to me about dr mark sylvain who i seriously i love that man he really saw me through a lot encouraged me like literally built me in a way helped me with my surgeries in a way that i would be able to you know get my life back that he was the one that i said so when do I get a stand? Like, what is my, I know I'm non-weight bearing right now. When do I get a stand? And he said, we'll see you. This is over a period of time, but he's like, we'll see you in 11 weeks. And then your left knee should be at a point that you should be able to stand on it. So 11 weeks. And one day I stood for the first time. And I'm telling you almost passed out because when you haven't, you know, stood, you have those like orthostatic blood pressure problems. Like your body's used to just sitting or lying I'll tell you, there was some there was some pain with that, but I actually stood. And we did that a couple of times during the day where I just sit and stand, sit and stand, sit and stand. And then it progressed. It, then I had like a specialty walker because I had foot drop on my left side. And so over the time they got me a special, like an AFO, an ankle foot orthosis, like I had a lot of specialty equipment. But yeah, it, it was a lot. Like I couldn't express to people the amount of rehab that follows. If you think about somebody having a knee surgery or shoulder surgery and they go in for rehab for that, when I started going to outpatient physical therapy after 12 weeks, I'd be there for sometimes three hours. And they would say, okay, we're going to start with your left leg, then your right leg, your right shoulder. There's times I'd walk out of there like, this is not what I signed up for. And yet I so badly wanted to have my life back, you know, with my kids and be able to do things with my kids. And the one thing that I always talked about is, you know, they want to give you a disability rating. They want to label you disabled, which truly by all and purposes, like I was disabled. Yes, it's true. But people, I think in today's society, take those numbers as a truth. Like that is the number that you are. And the message that I have always put out there is you are not, a, you are not labeled something. You are not a number you are whatever it is that you seek after and try to be. And that's what, that you know, what you become, you don't have to listen to somebody just because they say to you, well, we're going to say that you're, you know, 85% disabled. And I'm like, what? No, this is like, this may be a little part in my life, but that's not who I am or, or what I will become. So it really, it was a fight. It really, really was a fight to get my life back to where, it is. And I can tell you, you know, people will see me, they'll say, oh my gosh, you look great. Everything must be okay. And I smile. I always say yes, because I'm blessed. I feel so blessed to be where I'm at and so fortunate to do how well I'm doing. But I'll tell you what, I know when the weather is going to change. My body knows. My body tells me the day before it's going to rain. It could be sunny skies, not a cloud in the sky. And yet there's those like pressure changes you feel coming in. Like my body feels it. It knows. And there's things that I still don't. Do things that are still not the same, but you know you just you just kind of have to figure out who this new person is coming out of that kind of uh whatever it is, you know what I mean, like I said, coming out of a divorce, who's the new Tracy coming out of this accident? who is the new tracy how where do I see my life going from here? Is this going to be something that I'm going to let define me, or is this going to be something that I'm going to say no, I know who I am in my heart and my mind, and I want better than where I'm at right now. So that's something yes, that I
0: really get through those days? Inspired, How did you boy? get through those dark days? So you were talking about at the very beginning, how there were days you just did not feel like having someone come in and do poking and prodding and all of that physical therapy. But what got you through that? Because those are very dark days, and you went through them for a very long time. And you know, we're, we're interviewing and we're talking right now in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, which I do feel like I see the light of the end of the tunnel for that, but we're still in it. And I think people are either, you know, once you've been in something for a very long period of time, you can get restless and you can get, you can get sad and yep. you can get depressed. How did you handle that?
1: You know, so like I said, I, I still so blessed to have the support group And the people that I have in my life, people that I don't even know who reached out to me and um, would just send a random card or even the pilot who flew the helicopter for Flight for Life, he had reached out to me through Facebook Messenger and said, I know that you probably won't remember me, but I just wanted you to know when you got on that plane and you were so grateful. I remember telling them over and over, thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for taking care of me. Like I was, I was with it enough. To know, you know, like I do have memory of a lot of those things, like being in the car, them getting me out of the car. There were like intermittent moments that I don't remember. But it were it was those things. It was the people who took the time to send a thoughtful text. It was and even yeah, I'll say all of those things were great, but it goes back to my upbringing because as a child, I remember my mom telling us all the time, all the time, you can do hard things, you can do hard things. And the year before my sister had made these little plaques kind of on a, I don't know, like a little tile that she'd given to all of the kids. I have four of their siblings, and we all have them, and all it says is you can do hard things. It was kind of that thing we grew up with, knowing that we could do hard things. And I think just when you have that in your mind, you know life isn't easy or fair. Everybody's going to have some version of a bad card handed to them at some point. But I was truly raised that like you don't, you don't fold. You don't just say, I quit, I'm done. You allow yourself those moments. I think that was hard for me to learn as well, that maybe once in a while, I just need to take an afternoon. I'm not a big, I'm not a big crier because I don't know. It's just not like I'm very emotionally connected to people, but I had those moments of like a total breakdown and it kind of scared me a little, like, well, I can't quit crying. Why is this water coming out of my face? you know, but realizing that it was part of that healing process, like allowing yourself to have that, but also knowing that I think people can really track down a dark road if you allow your mind to go there. And there were times that I always just had to remember like that attitude of gratitude, you know, that old fashioned saying that I would rather be here with what I've got than not be here at all, because truthfully, that accident should have killed me. Even the trauma doctor said to me when I went in, he said, you have no idea how lucky you are to be alive. I do believe that. I believe that. But seeing even in the hospital, you know, there was always somebody that had it worse than I did. Like they put me on the burn unit, even though I wasn't burned. It was because it was two patients per one nurse. And because I required so much, I had so much going on, they put me on that unit. And I remember them wheeling a man in, across the hall from me, they have kind of these sliding glass doors and I could see them bringing him in. And when I tell you the guy had to have been burned probably 75 or 80% of his body. And when they would go to do his wound care, this poor man just literally like hollering out, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: just, uh, I just would lay there in my, bed, broken, couldn't even move anything, but like my big right toe to call the nurse, right? But I remember thinking, I'm just so grateful that this is all I have and that I'm not burned as well, you know? And not to say
0: that, you know, that takes
1: away, yeah, but
0: having gratitude for Mm -hmm. where we are and no matter what trauma you've gone through or what you, what transformation you're going through, but just having that gratitude that it seems like it's a great way to have, to, to go through what you went through and to be able to come out, you know, like you are today and, you know, smiling. And even though you have your difficulties, I think it sounds to me like you're, you had so much gratitude for everything that happened and how the, all the people that helped you.
1: Well, and you know, still continuing to have a life goal somewhere, like knowing that I wasn't going to succumb to whatever it is. They're like, well, this is as good as it's going to get. It's like, no, no, it isn't as good as it's going to get. Cause I know how I am. And I had to uh-huh. dig deep, like, I had to dig for something deeper than I thought I even had in me to be able to do. And it really is empowering when you come through something like that and you continue down that road of like, look, I can do hard things. I think the biggest thing that I'm the most appreciative of with all of that is seeing, you know, because my boys went through that experience with me. Like I was not really not at home for about three months with them they could come and see me and whatnot and our life was significantly different for about the first two years after like it wasn't at all it was just a glimpse of the life that we had had before and yet they grew a lot they are fine 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 young men like strong young men and I love when I see that you know they'll post things or they'll say things or even like my oldest son's cute little wife she'll post things she'll say I know I can do hard things. And you know where that comes from? That wasn't even from me. That was from my parents who taught me that, that I've been able to relay that message onto them and that my kids, they can, they can do hard things and that we pull together and that's what we do. We help and support each other. But the other thing that I will just, I always try to put a note in is that I'm a firm believer that we as a people all together we're here to help each other through this life journey. And when you have that little thought in your head or that little inspiration, in you it's like, oh maybe I need to reach out to so and so and just see how they're doing today. Or maybe I need to handwritten letters, I'm telling you, snail mail goes a long way. It still does to get something in the mail that was handwritten that somebody took the time or to send a flower or even just a very thoughtful text like, hey, I'm thinking of you today and hoping you're doing okay those are the things that matter because those are the things that they always came at the perfect time. And I always encourage people, don't ever ignore those little promptings or that thought or feeling that you have inside, because I know that we are connected to people in some way. And when you're close to people and you have that feeling like, you know, they might be struggling today, just send out a thoughtful text because those were the things Mm
0: -hmm. that really got me through. Those were the things. The letters, the Zoom calls, the the Skype, the phone calls. I mean, it's, it's all so important and and i 'm so you know grateful that you are you know here with us today, and you can share your story of hope and faith in your belief in God and your belief in community that now helps you be a pageant life coach and and you went on and I didn 't mean to stop the story, I just wanted to sort of set the stage of what you went through and yeah. how traumatic it really was, and the fact that your story is one that people can look up to because you can overcome anything, you can do anything, it is, you have, if you have the will, they can find the way, and then you went on to, you know, enter the pageant, the Ms. America pageant, and win a title, a national title in 2017, so in our last, you know, few minutes together, would you just talk about your year and what, you know, what you did and also what you're doing now?
1: Oh my gosh, that was such a great year.
0: I'm telling you. And I felt like
1: that win wasn't as much even for me as it was for every person who loved and supported me to see, you know, like I said, when I was in the accident. I was Miss Nevada, United States, and to have that taken away, to not be able to walk that pageant stage, and and you know, Jan, like three days out. Most pageant girls, I had all my dresses out. I was packed. Like if somebody said you I... need to check in Thursday night, I would have been ready to go. So oh, it was, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I just thought, well, I'll never walk the pageant stage again. That won't be something I'll be able to do. And with like love and encouragement, I I thought, okay, I need to finish the race I started because it's how I am as a person. I'm not a quitter. And people that know me were like, even if it is that you just go back to find closure in that, like, so I had to go, you know, you go back, you get a state title, and then you go to the national system. And I, you know, I came in there, I had been interviewed by numerous news and and local news groups and in the newspaper and, you know, like pageant hopeful coming back and the today show had done a video and. You kind of go in there like, well, I'm kind of big deal. I almost got killed by a bus. And now here I am. I'm back to, you know, do this thing. And you get there. And the women that you're competing against, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Every one of those women were incredible. And I felt truly honored to, like, rub shoulders with those women. And some of my very best friends have been women that I've met in the pageant community. But, yeah, when they, when I had that crowning moment, I'm telling you, just my heart just swelled. I felt so much gratefulness and thanks and to see like even you know my my sisters and my boys eyes just kind of glistening like it was as much of a win for them as it was for me and then to have the next year to be able to share my platform and speak at numerous organizational events as a keynote speaker sharing my your tomorrow starts today is what my platform is and that is that message of hope and inspiration and perseverance that adverse events and circumstances don't define you. And so I I did. I had an opportunity to travel all over the U.S. and be able to share that message and meet so many phenomenal people and hear their stories. You know, everybody really does have a story and they just want to be heard. And so it really opened the doors for me in so many ends, just not in the pageant world, but on so many ends. And to be able to work with other personal injury people or people who are going through hard times and to be able to say, you know, you can get through this. You can get through this. You just have to believe in it. And so that was really a lot of fun. And then coming out of that, being able to have girls who, because I do, I own a company where I do expert witness work and I do a lot of deposition testimony and expert testimony, taking that skill set to the pageant industry and being able to say, this is how you speak as an expert. Like it's it's really not not so different than it is like with pageant interviewing and being able to help these girls and women on there really a lot with platform development and interview wow. technique. I'm a firm believer that a pageant is one in interview because of the way the scoring is set. Usually interviews about 50% of their score. And so that's where you really, really need to show, you know, some high numbers. I mean Janet you and I both know that usually the winner of interview If if they're not the overall winner, they're going to be in the top three somewhere. You know, that's generally where they're at.
0: Truly where you win the hearts of the judges and then they cheer for you. It is. The pageant. For the others, yes. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing conversation. We'll do more pageant deep dive a little bit later on because I will yep. have you on my pageant podcast and we'll talk about love those it. ins and outs about your strengths and, and helping that pageant transformation and how you help girls win. But how can we reach you if we want to get in touch with you? So I do
1: have, I've got an email coach at gmail.com. You can reach me that way. I do have I'm on Instagram at Pageant Life Coach and also Legal Nurse One. Both of those, I've got two Instagram pages and my Facebook page is Tracy Jones Rogers. Yes, please feel free to reach out to me. You can message me through their email. Would love to hear from
0: anyone that might have any questions or thoughts or want to share their story as well. Great. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your amazing story, and Thank how you. that that message of hope and inspiration is alive and well thank you tracy thank you thanks so much for listening i hope that you enjoyed this episode and if so please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe make sure if you're on apple that you subscribe rate and review me on itunes and i would love your feedback at any time you could reach out to me on janice And contact me or join my newsletter and give me the feedback of different subjects and topics that you would like to hear or if you would like to be a guest on my show. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.